I'd like for you to think back to the moment that your very first child was born. Do you remember when the doctor handed you the baby? Just think back to that moment. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Does anybody want to share what you were thinking or feeling when they first passed you your first baby? I remember not knowing how to love. Anybody else? Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, when my son came out, he had like this total cone head because I've been pushing for so long. Anyway, and um, yeah, so I think my first reaction was like the nurse even said later that I was like going. <laughs> he wasn't as, wasn't as beautiful as you thought he was going to be. Well, I don't know about you, but when the first child was placed in my arms, Allison, I panicked. I thought, oh, they can't possibly be passing that baby to me. I'm not kidding. I had never held a newborn. I'd probably held a baby somewhere along the way, but I had seriously never touched a newborn. Neither had my husband. So we were completely not qualified, but they just send them home with you anyway. They don't even give you that much time. That's that's the shocking thing. It's not like you can go, oh, never mind, I I didn't really mean that. You are, you're in. So this first quote that comes from a book called Mommy, Where Are You? by Kathy Mills, I'd just like to read that to you. Someone once said that deciding to have children is like deciding to let your heart walk out around outside your body for the rest of your life. And it's true. Once you have held your very first child in your arms, once you have gazed into those trusting eyes and nuzzled the warm softness of your baby's cheek, you will never be the same. You have entered a new season of life and you truly begin to understand that you are no longer your own. Isn't that the truth? Let's pray together. Dear Father, we know that your design is so beautiful. I can't even believe that you let us have a child, that you let us be a part of your whole creation plan, that you allow them to live inside of us, and then you give us the privilege, the true honor of raising them to hopefully one day come to know you. And so that's our heart today, that we could learn more about how we could train them to know you and to make you known. So we just pray that, I pray you'll guide every single word and guide the moms as they are with their children today, that we can just follow you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so nervous. You know, when Millie told me she wanted me to come speak, she didn't tell me it was going to be sort of a large group. I'm thinking we're going to have ten moms sitting around, you know, sort of singing Kumbaya or something. Here we are, this room, you know. And I'm hooked up. See, that's the real problem. If they didn't hook me up, then I probably wouldn't think as much about it. But never mind. Uh, who has infants? Okay. Who has toddlers? All right. Who has the school-age child? Okay. Any preteen or high school moms around? Okay. Well, we're moving into that arena fast, aren't we, Millie? That's the scariest of all. Um, I have to. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. I'm here to encourage you. But it, but I. <laughs> but it has been it's a little bit scary for me. Okay. Do we, who has a stay at mom? A stay at home mom. And then how many of you are working part-time or whatever? Okay. Me too. Well, I asked them if hopefully everyone has a note card in front of you because I think that at some point during the, uh, the time that we have together this morning, you'll may, you may want to write something down. You may either have a question for me or maybe a Bible verse will jump out at you and you're going to want to save that. So just be prepared with your note card. If you have questions at the end, we'll, we'll go over some of that if we have time. Okay, so let's get started. I have a lot to share. I talk really fast, and um, I just want to get as much covered as we can. First, I just want to tell you, if you have the, the mom goals in front of you, don't panic when you look at that, because I didn't start out with 12 goals. I've been doing this for 15 years, and I started out with one goal, and that was from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And now, as I've read books and looked at resources and talked with other moms, I suddenly have, you know, a list of 12, which I just sort of randomly put in, in random order. But my very, when I first started, my goal was survival. I'm not kidding you. And I didn't have this well-thought-out plan of how I want to parent. 
So I hope that you'll go away today feeling encouraged and not overwhelmed. I don't want you to think, oh my goodness, I haven't done any of that. Uh, because, you know, every day is a new day and you get a fresh start. And the biggest thing I'm learning having teenagers is a phrase from Chip Ingram. That, and he always says, if all else fails, grace. So I'm on a whole new wavelength. When I started parenting, when I was probably in the stages that you're in, I thought I knew how to do it. I was extremely prideful. I didn't realize how opinionated I was about all of it. I kind of had an answer for everything. And I am in a whole new place now, um, having started the process of raising teenagers, and I realized I don't know very much at all. Um, sometimes I wish I could start it all over again and maybe I could tweak a few things along the way. But that's not how it is. You know, God gives us each stage as it comes and nobody's ever prepared for any of it. So I want you to just leave today knowing that I believe in you. I want to encourage you. I know you can do it. And if you just know that God put you in that place because he has a purpose for you with your very own child. And everybody parents a little differently. I don't think there's a certain way that you have to do it. So I'm not here to give you the, here's the plan of how you have to parent if you're going to parent well at all. So let's just start out by going, we're just going to go quickly through the goals. And the reason why I made that sheet, I wrote it up yesterday. You'll see it's not in perfect form. Because I had so many little things, it was almost going to look like a ping pong game if I didn't get it into some sort of an order for you. And I just thought this would be a simple way to run through some of the things that my husband and I want to do as we parent. And um, as I said before, our, our very first goal came from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6 and 24. And it says, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And when we just first started out as parenting, we just realized that was going to be important to us, and we made that sort of our family goal. I think now, even truer to my own heart is number two which says that I want to build relationships with my kids that mirror my own relationship with the Heavenly Father that is just true love authenticity depth I mean there is nothing that I would rather do than just being God's word and sitting with him and part of that is because I'm with people all the time I mean whether you like it or not as a mom you wake up in the morning and you're with somebody and so you guys know what I'm saying when I tell you that you get a little maybe oversaturated with all the people around you all the time. So my retreat is really the time that I spend alone with God. And so that's become more meaningful to me as a goal. And I also want observers of our family to say, I want what they have. I want them to be able to see Christ in my kids and in how we parent and how we are, how our marriage is. And for people to say, I just got to get some of that. I don't know what these people are about, but I want to find out. So we want to hopefully, by the way that we raise our children and how they bless others, people are going to come to Christ for that. And then third, I always want to be able to, po- to point my children to Scripture for solutions and to be able to use the teachable moments. And that could be as we're driving, we pray, as we're, you know, they're plopping down our bed at the end of the night. See, they, I go to bed earlier than my kids now. So they come to me at the end of the day. You know how it used to be, most of you at the end of the day, I'm hoping, go to your kid's room and you tuck them in, you do their little nighttime routine or whatever. And that's when they pour their heart out to you. And when they're toddlers and, and preschool age, that's when they try to get you to stay, stay there and let's do one more thing. Or, you know, they might even try to manipulate you by saying, how about we pray a little bit, Mom, or something like that. <laughs> but you guys know they just want you to stay upright. Well, anyway, when they get older, they start coming to your room, and we're laying on bed about to crash, and this is when they want to talk. So it's an opportunity to have that teachable moment and to talk about what God is doing in their lives. And it's an opportunity to listen well. I asked somebody recently, because I knew I was going to talk with you guys, if you could give advice to young moms, what one thing would you tell them? And this very wise mother said, to listen, to really, really listen. And I think that is excellent fourth goal is to get as much scripture into my kids before they leave home as possible. I know that's Millie's heartbeat because she said that over and over again. And we're going to go through some practical ways to do that today. um, And I'll tell you more about that. But with each stage, there are different methods. When my kids were teeny tiny, we just had this little, there's a, I guess a tape series you could call it, called the Word and Song Bible series. It's wonderful. I don't know if you've seen it. I didn't bring it because I just couldn't carry everything I wanted to bring today, but... 
it's called the Warden Song, and they're little CD cassettes that you can pop in in the car, and then there's a Bible book that goes with it. The pictures are real cute, and it's very true to Scripture. It's word for word, and then they have little Scripture songs that go with it. It's probably about four or five uh, CDs, something like that. It's real easy to find. I think you can you can probably find that online or at the, book, the Bible bookstores. And then um, we played a lot of games when they were your kid's age. I used to put scripture on a ball and we'd bounce it and they'd say the, you know, the words. And we did posters. My kids, as they got older, really enjoyed making banners. And so they, my older girls would make the banners with words and a picture to go with it. And I mean long banners, you know, 10, 10 pages high of, on bright colored paper and things. And that was always a way that we were able to learn scripture. And then bribes, every kind of bribe you can imagine. Yes, we paid our kids to memorize scripture. I told my kids last summer if they would learn the book of Philippians, I'd pay them $100. And I told everybody I saw that summer, even kids I didn't hardly even know. I said, we took my daughter to camp, and I was talking to one of the camp directors, and, and, he, and he just asked us what we were doing or something. And I said, well, my kids are trying to learn Philippians. I don't know if they're going to make it or not. And he, and he goes, well, how much are they, or what are they going to get for that? And I said, well, they're going to get $100 at the end of the summer. And he said, man, maybe I need to do that with my kids. I said, you tell your kids to do it. I'll pay them the $100. I'll pay anybody out there that can do it $100. Now, i got to tell you, uh, I didn't pay anybody last summer. But that was just one of our little things that we tried. Actually, that, that didn't go so well. Um, but we're always doing something to try to get, that, get the word in their heart. Um, fifth goal is to raise children for true greatness. There's a book that's called Raising Children for True Greatness. Does anybody remember the author? I've forgotten. I couldn't remember. But you can find that real easily if you decide you want to read it. Versus the world's cheap imitation. You know, the world is really going to tell you, you need to sign your kid up for guitar. You need to sign them up for uh, every sports team out there. And one thing that Chip Ingram says that I think is so good is, hey, guys, you're not, you don't have any professional athletes in your family. So what are you going for with all the youth sports? There's definitely a place for it, but they don't have to sign up for everything when they're three years old. So I think that's probably true. Um, We could back off a little bit on that. Um, But it's hard to say no in this culture because they want you to do lessons in art and you got to take them here and there. You got to go to every camp, every museum, every every advantage or whatever. And so, just guard yourself with that. Make sure that you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off because everybody says you need to do that. Your kids are probably, to be honest with you, your kids are probably very average. Most people are very average. You have a few superstars out there, but let's face it, you know, there's probably not a Rembrandt in the bunch. I mean, maybe. I don't want to discourage you from doing art lessons, but you know, let's be realistic, moms, about what they're going to be. I think there's this thing out there, this this image that we've got to create kids that have had been exposed to everything, and sometimes it's too hard. The sixth one is that you want to create an atmosphere which breeds sibling friendship, not rivalry. Ha ha. Now, if my kids were here, they would crack up because I wouldn't say we have rivalry, but we certainly don't have perfection. We've got a lot of arguing and bickering that goes on. But this is a goal. doesn't mean that we've achieved it at our house. But the reason why I believe that so strongly is that I read a, another book. I said I, I steal everything that I have to tell you today from some source. And this idea comes from a book called uh, Sisters and Brothers Forever. You probably don't need to read it. It's, it's an okay book, but I'm just going to tell you what it says, and you can save yourself 15 bucks. But what it, what, it, what it basically, I got that book seven or eight years ago thinking that it was going to help the sibling rivalry thing. But the gist of the book is this, that your kids are going to be friends with their siblings. They're going to have the relationship with their siblings longer than anyone else in their life, including you. Have you thought about that? Because when you die, they're still going to be there. They, they may not be friends, but they're going to be dividing your stuff. So they're, they're going to have a relationship with each other. Now, the question is whether or not it's going to be a good one. And so I try to remind my children, look, if you want to have a relationship with your sister like I have with mine, you've got to cut that out whenever they're arguing and fighting. So that's an important goal, I think, to try to remind them, you're in this for the long haul with your siblings. Seventh, be an example of an excellent wife and teach the importance of personal purity. Don't you love how I said that excellent wife part? Because, I mean, Burke's not here to, de- to defend whether or not uh, I am that. But I try and I really want to make that a priority to put my husband first. And you guys are at a stage where it's extremely hard to do that. And I know that. You're tired. They wear you out physically at this stage more than anybody can imagine. Unless you've been a mom, there's no way you can know. And our husbands have not been a mom. <laughs> they haven't mostly stayed home with kids. 
but just remember at the end of the day he needs to be your priority and it's probably been a year or two ago that our kids were able to stay at home alone and when we hit that summer we felt like newlyweds. I mean, we were out the door. All of a sudden, it's like this wall came down of you know constant supervision, and I was I was way over the top with controlling my kids and making sure they were safe and what they saw and what they ate and what they. I can't even tell you. It's so ridiculous. And um, now that I look back on it, I see that it was a little bit crazy. But once we got that freedom to go out again, it was so much fun. So make sure that you are putting your husband first so that you'll have those years to look forward to. And we're just about eight years away from our kids being out of the house entirely. Now, I'm not all that excited about that. I'm not ready to push them out the door early. But it's just fun to know that Burke and I still want to be together. And it'll be just a whole new world when they're gone. I don't, I'm hoping I won't be a mom that just craters and has, you know, major emptiness syndrome or whatever. Because I want it to be the best time with my husband. We've earned it after that many years with kids. Um, one other little thing I want to say about that is about the personal purity part. I stuck that in there because I happen to have it sort of on my mind right now. Each one of my kids has been through the passport to purity, except for my youngest daughter who's just turned 10. And that is a very useful tool that some of you may want to have a look at. It comes from Family Life Today. And I think that's on, I believe Family Life Today is on my resource list. That's kind of an old list, but... Um, if you don't know that website, go have a look at it. And they come on the radio, too. Does anybody remember what time that comes on, KCBI? It, it might be 9. It's either it's 10 Focus on the Family and maybe 10.30. Is, is that it? Is that the order? They change the order from time to time, but you can get that. Look on the KCBI website. But anyway, Dennis Rainey and his wife, Barbara, do this series called um, Passport to Purity. It's a weekend that you take your child away. All the girls go with me. The, the boy goes with Dad. And we've done it with our two daughters, and my son is leaving tomorrow on his trip. And it's a, it's a CD series that you go through with your child. They sort of fill out the, the data as, you, as they share the different points. It's about dating. It's about purity. It's about let's set some standards now while you're young. And my son is 11, so he's going to do that this weekend. I'm really excited for him. So that's something that you really want to start early with your kids. If you guys have never heard Mary Flo Ridley speak about how to tell your children about the birds and the bees, you can get her information online, too. She's great. But just uh, don't wait till, the, till it's too late and they've already made up their mind about personal purity. You need to really start that from day one. And that's a whole other talk for another day, and Mary Flo does a great job of that. But you need to start right now while your kids are toddlers, talking to them about how God made their bodies special and how um, you know marriage is a special place for husbands and wives. And there's all kinds of things that you can do with that. Okay, uh, number eight, live the truth that everything we have belongs to God. And there, there's a book that goes with that, too. I think it's called The Treasure Principle. Is that right? Anybody, is that ringing a bell? Uh, that's a great book if you don't know what you believe about it. it it's a real small book, easy to use. And um, I think in this culture, you know, Watermark is, for the most part, it's, a, it's an educated, really affluent group of people. And my kids are at a school that has that sort of same... My neighborhood is more diverse, but our school and our church are both very educated people and uh, many who have a high income, I suppose. And I want my kids to know that things cannot make them happy. I'm so glad my parents taught me that. I came from a, a lost home, but my mom and dad really believed that, and they taught us well that things can't make you happy. Don't give them everything they want. Let them earn something. And then even, even then you can always say no. That Everybody doesn't have to have an iPod by the time they're five um, because you're going to create greedy little monsters. You don't want to do that. Uh, number nine, let's teach, teen, uh, teach age-appropriate responsibility and teamwork. This is another idea that I stole from Sandra Felden. It's F-E-L-T-O-N. And she has a website that's called Messies Anonymous. And one of her books, I can't really, yeah, don't we all relate to that? Can I just tell you, if your house is clean right now, if I walked in and your house was totally spotless, I might wonder if you were spending time with your kids because you cannot get all of that done. I tell that to the ladies at Apples of Gold all the time. If you came to my house right now, you know, it could be a disaster area. And I kind of like it that way because if it's perfect, then I know that I'm probably not doing my job with my kids. So anyway, in our, in our family, I learned this from Sandra Felton, that we want to make it sort of a team effort. And moms should not be running around 
like a housekeeper all day long. It really needs to be something that you participate in as a group. And it may be a challenge at first to get a husband on board with this idea because they're not may not be used to it or maybe you've been taking care of him the whole time and I'm not saying that dad comes home and does all this work after he's been at the office for 12 hours I'm just saying he can be a coach to help the kids remember that it's a team job and that means with you know your laundry or dishes or whatever different responsibilities for different ages I'm usually the manager. I call myself the manager, and Burke and I are both coaches. Number 10, demonstrate how to use leisure time. You know, I find as my kids have gotten older, and yours may be doing this already because the world has changed, they just want to sit in front of the computer. They want to do that all the time. If I didn't sort of manage that for them and limit their, their use of TV and computer, they would do it all the time. So I think it's important to sort of model that there are better options out there. And you'll see when we get further into the talk, I'm not totally against TV, but I am, I guess I restrict it pretty carefully at our house. But anyway, I try to think of TV as optional and that I use it as a last resort. And I think it's really important to teach them the importance of physical activity. And you guys need to, while you're still young and, and, and pretty fit, Try to stay that way because I'm telling you, it gets harder and harder. I'm 47, and I have to work so hard to try to stay in just average shape. And so while you're young, keep doing that because that way you'll be able to participate with your kids, especially if you have boys. I mean, my son is so athletic. He, we ride bikes. We do mountain bikes. And one of my little girls likes to climb trees, so we do that. And, and you know, we're riding skateboards and and just bikes and everything all the time and if I didn't and throwing throwing the ball constantly so I try to remember that if I don't stay in shape I won't be able to play with them and that kind of keeps me motivated and this is another idea from Chip Ingram number 11 that work is sacred and God has a plan for you so we want to teach our kids from the beginning that that God gave them a job to do and that may be being a mom or that may be going to the office or whatever but that that work is meant for our good, and that's part of God's plan. So we, from the very beginning, wanted to praise our children for the things that they did well. But one of the things I'm finding as I work in school with fourth graders is that some parents are telling their kids they're good at everything, and guys, they're not. So don't do your children uh, a disservice by saying, oh, honey, you are so good at You're so good at that. You're so good at You're so good at that. Because they're really not. And eventually they're going to be out of your house and they're going to go to work and their boss is not going to say you're good at everything. And their little self is going to go, they're just going to shrivel up. So let's be honest with our kids. That, oh, you're, so, you're really great at that. And tell them, too, that you're not going to be perfect at everything. I, I think that in our in our world, the young workers that are coming out, I'm hearing from my husband and others that their little egos are shattered when they go for their first job and they move job to job very quickly because everybody told them they were good at everything and they're not and so they're discovering uh, that that's a problem and they don't always want to hang in there and improve. Number 12, my last, is live grace-filled lives and everything that God does runs through a filter of unconditional love for you. That is what I want to be as a parent, and I'm not always that. I come down hard on my kids sometimes, but one of the things that I'm learning with teenagers is that I need to be a safe place for them, because you never know what they've been through at school. I mean, kids can be brutal, even young kids. And so I really want to be the person, and my husband and I want to be the people who are safe to them. They know they can bring everything to us. And it was just a couple of years ago that we realized how badly we had done in this area because our one of our teenage daughters began lying to us. And we were shattered. We did not expect that. We had done what we thought you were supposed to do all the way through and been so very committed to God's principles of how to raise kids. And then suddenly we had a child that we knew was lying to us. And we just had to regroup at that point and say, okay, we're not perfect parents. We know that. Uh, we probably over, no, not probably. We, I specifically, have over-controlled. And I'm ready to let the leash out. And we just had a big sit-down with our daughter, and we asked her forgiveness and told her, you know, we screwed up, and we're going to start fresh, and we want you to tell us what's going on. And, and we went through all of that. And I'd say a year later, we're, we're in such a better place now for having been through that. And all three of us signed up for Celebrate Recovery. 
and we just sort of as a family thought we've got some issues here that need to be worked out and so I'm in the process of that if anybody doesn't know what Celebrate Recovery is it's just a program at Watermark that helps you look back on your life from day one through now and like why do you do the silly things you do or the hang-ups some people have addictions and some have what you might call hang-ups or issues or whatever and that's a good ministry at Watermark if you want to know more about that I can tell you or you can look it up online so we we uh, have learned in our family that grace is, is where it's at and so that's what we're working on so those are the goals how did we get there I'm going to give you six little tips well I say they're not that little they're not that quick but um, these are just ideas I really want to emphasize as I start uh, especially on this first one I really want to emphasize that I don't want to tell you how to parent or how to run, you know, how to do your life that if you don't do it my way that it's not good or whatever because there's really a lot of room for different ways of parenting. And there're just some real core values that, you know, in the scripture that you can turn to, but how it's practically worked out, that's between you and your husband, and I just want to share with you that um what I have to say is radical. It's not what you grew up on because you guys are a lot younger than I am. And sometimes I'm afraid to even share this because I know that you're hearing something different. And But I still just want to sort of go out on this limb and say that I think it's really important to stay home for a time. Now, it may not be full-time at home, but I think the more time that you can stay at home, the better. And I know that some of you may be in a circumstance, maybe you're a single mom, and that's altogether different. I'm just saying if, if you're in a family with a husband and a wife, that if you can stay home for a time, I think it would really benefit your family. And not always, but for a time. And right now, as a matter of fact, I'm working part-time. And I told Millie before we got started, I wanted to be really careful with this particular point because I don't want you to shut down on the very first point. And that I've been working for four years, and that has been very difficult. And the reason that I work part-time is so that my kids can attend a Christian school. And we've had a lot of doubts about that this year. And we are, as a family, my husband and I are sort of regrouping and we're putting into place, uh, the, we're thinking about moving to a neighborhood where we could do public schools if we chose to. We're not sure what we're going to do with that yet. But it is a hardship for a mother to work and raise children. And I always thought, what's wrong with these elder moms? They should be... They have a life of ease once the kids are out of the house. Where do they, you know, they're at school, so what's the big deal? But I was really wrong about that. It gets, to me, it gets more intense the older they are. And it may just be a personality thing because when they were young, I could control them and see, you know, how I like control, so that was easy for me. But when they get older, they just need you in a different way. It's not as physical, it's more emotional. And you never know when it's going to happen. It might be at midnight that they need to talk. So, anyway, I would love to encourage you to stay home for a while. And there are two reasons. Um, one is that since our goal was to carry out Deuteronomy 6, that I just didn't think that I could do that long distance. I mean, you can't do that via email or cell phones. So for us, when our kids were infants, I started out by just, you know, like when I'm changing diapers, I would say, God loves you. I start before they can even talk, by the way. When you first hold that baby, you can start talking to them. You know, they say that by 12 months, they understand a lot of what you're saying. So we, right from the beginning, started telling God loves you. He made you. You're precious to God. When they're toddlers, we say God made you just right. I love how you praise God with your hands. Jesus is your friend. You're my treasure. And we're just trying to get these principles in their lives in everything we do. When we're walking in the neighborhood or we're going to the grocery store. You know, with preschoolers, a lot of you have preschoolers. We would talk about how God made the world. Isn't it fabulous how he made the trees? And look how those ants, how they work so hard. And Proverbs talks about working. So we try to just ignore that account. But that's my kids saying, are you almost finished? I promise it it will be my kids. Um, And then as I got a little bit older into the school age, I realized there's a variety of of ability school-wise with my kids. So the ones who had it really easy, I would say, let's thank God for the brain that he gave you, that you could make 100 on that math test today. Always reminding your kids from the minute that they're born, God made them, he loves them, he has a plan, and he gave them every gift that they have, whether they got the good brains or not. And so uh, we do that with our school-age kids. Or I might, you know, with teenagers, like I said, our phrase is, if all else fails, grace. And lately, I have said to my kids regularly, I'm safe. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. 
I'm sure I got that from someone. That, that's a great quote. I don't know who told me that, but I sure love it. And I just tell him that over and over and over again. I just tell him, I just love you for who you are, just how you're made. And I've got a, a child that has ADD, and that is um, a real different kind of deal altogether. I can't even describe to you if you haven't been around it, but they just function in a different way. They think outside the box. And it's a beautiful thing, but as a parent, it's a very complicated thing. It can make a lot of chaos in your home. But I've even grown to appreciate that and love that as just a blessing from God because He will use her in ministry in a way that none of us had even thought about because she's going to be thinking in a different way. I tell my kids all the time, I'm listening. I have to work at that because I want to lecture them all the time. You know, I read all these resources and then I've got hundreds of things I want to tell them. But I'm really learning that I need to say, what do you think? As they get older, you're not saying, here's what God says. You go, what do you think about that? That was a big transition time for me. At the end of elementary school especially, you need to start moving away from telling them what it is all the time to, what do you think about that? And get some feedback. And I tell them, tell me anything. Um, on a regular basis, I, I just remind them. You don't have to worry. We can, we can talk about everything. Another thing that has to do a little bit with the purity thing is when your kids go off to school, they're going to start hearing things that they've never heard in your home. And so make sure that you tell them on a regular basis. Any time you hear a word or something that you don't know, come and ask me about it first, and we'll talk to you, and I will tell you the truth about anything that you ask. I remember getting in the car one day, and they were doing that at the time. This is probably five years ago. Uh, they were trying to pass the marriage amendment or whatever it was called, same-sex marriage thing, whatever it was. And one of my kids got in the car and asked me that in front of my littlest, who was probably five or so at the time. And I had to explain all of that. Another time something happened at church, and i got to be careful because we have guests with us, um, little ones with us. They, they mentioned something in church about the Someone Cares program, and I thought, I wasn't quite ready to, to talk about that with my kids. But things are just going to happen. And so as they come up, I tell my kids, what did you think about that today at church when you heard about Someone Cares? And so we went into that. And I just have always told them, and I repeat it all the time, there's no word out there that scares me. There's no concept out there that I won't tell you about. I'm going to tell you the truth about everything. What you do at it, when they're younger, of course, is a lot less than what you do when they're older. Now I have to say to my teenagers, this is what I think it is, but let's talk to Dad. Now, I'm not kidding. You, you won't believe it when they get older. They went over my head very, very quickly, especially with the slang. I didn't know half the stuff. Okay. All throughout the day, we love and admire God, and we see His work in our kids and in our world, and it just becomes second nature to you to talk to them with these sorts of um, ideas. Why do we point them to spiritual things all the time? Well, the reason why we do it because is as God becomes a part of their daily routine, it's much easier to discipline the heart of your child to please God rather than just going for outward behavior. And you've probably read things about that. I could probably take your kids for a week and get them to do just about whatever I wanted them to do because it's the principles of, of you know obedience are fairly simple. But what we're really going for is the heart. I want my children to grow up desiring to please God, not desiring to please me. I mean, they're still going to do some of that, but I really want it to be about their own personal relationship with God and how can we please Him. God loves it when they obey. And, you know, Chip Ingram, I keep mentioning him because I just went through his series, which I put over there for y'all to look at, called House or, look at, called House or Home. And, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Okay, well, if I think of it, I'll tell you. Never mind. Well, anyway, all of this happens because you're there. And when we were talking about staying at home, you're there. It's intense, and time is short. And I think I'm realizing that more now because I've got a 15-year-old. She's taking driver's ed this summer. And at this point next year, she'll be driving a car. And someone who's a stage ahead of me reminded me that, you know, you're not, you're, you don't have three more years with your daughter, Charlotte. You're thinking you've got three years. You have one because when they have their driver's license, they're gone. Now, they may not have a car. It's very unlikely that my children will all have a car or any of them may have one. But they will have friends who drive and eventually they'll be gone. And it won't be in three years. It'll be in a year. Our, you know, life changes. Um, I, I just want to share one little personal story with you about what happened to me in this way about staying home. I had a really great, great job when my first child was born. 
I worked on staff at Northwest Bible Church as one of their children's ministers, and I really thought it was the ultimate. And I couldn't imagine giving it up because, I mean, it was the best job in Dallas for me at the time. And I had trained for ministry, and I had, that had been my passion. And all of a sudden, I was going to have, you know, a baby, and okay, that's good, but I still wanted to be able to do the job. And I'd heard you can do both, so why not? So I went before the elder board, and I asked them, how would you feel about me working part-time from home? And guys, that sounds so common now, but we're talking about, you know, 20, almost 20 years ago. We didn't have email even. They, you know, people were doing Word Perfect, and that was about as good as it got. And so you couldn't, you didn't even have, I don't even think they could, you could do anything from home and send it to the church at the time. But anyway, so these guys who were mostly 60s and up allowed me to do that. So I thought, oh, this is great. So they let me work part-time as soon as the baby comes, and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, and that'll all be great. So I had a perfect arrangement for my child, and while I was at meetings at church, I was going to let her stay with a gal in my neighborhood whose husband was at DTS. And what could be better? Here's a mom with just one little baby, and my daughter can go over there and hang out with them for a few hours, and then I'll come home, and everything will be hunky-dory. So my baby's born, and for about three weeks... I'm not kidding. I put her in the snuggly. I'd walk up to the door. I, first day I gave her to this sweet gal and I went down to the church. I said, now, I want you to call me if she cries. Talk about naive. I mean, I told you. I already told you I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm about halfway through a meeting and they call me and, you know, it's free. they didn't have cell phones. I'm talking about interrupt the meeting. Yeah, Charlotte. So I go and she's crying. Okay, I zip out there, go get my child. It's a 20-minute drive out to my house, mind you, from there. I get my baby. I come back to the office. The next time, you know, a few days pass, I go take her to the babysitter. I'm thinking, ooh, I really, I'm not feeling very good about this. I really don't want to leave her. I couldn't believe how attached I was. That's what was shocking. And uh, if you knew me at the time, you would understand because I, I mean, before, even before I met Burke, I didn't think I was going to have kids because I was doing ministry, man. I would forget the family thing. Uh, so anyway, so I go drop my child again, and I'm not wanting to leave her, and I'm having this just aching feeling inside. I did that two or three more times, and then, believe it or not, I'd just go up and take the money to the gal and take my baby because I could not even drop her. So that went on for a few weeks. About three weeks into it, I went to the pastor, and I said, I don't think this is going to work out for me. So I went to, but of course, you can't just drop everything you're doing on children's staff. I mean, what are you going to do with all your volunteers and everything else? So I put the baby in the snuggly, put Allison in the snuggly. I went to work for about two and a half or three months recruiting workers and all this stuff with the baby in the sling and until they could find a replacement. So I understand what I'm saying when I tell you to try to stay at home for a time. It's, it's not easy to give it up. But I do think God has a plan and that you can always go back to your work later. Um, the second reason to stay home, if you can, is that you're told in Scripture to train up a child in the way he should go. And you've heard this a million times at Watermark, but just in case somebody missed it, you know, it's not saying if you bring your kid to church and do what all Christians are supposed to do that your child's just automatically going to follow Christ. That's not what it's about. It's really about training them toward their, the way they're, they're gifted, their leanings, their personality, how they are, how they're made by God. And the only way you can know that is by being with them all the time. And I, tell, I can tell you what my kids would do before they even before a word comes out of their mouth because I know them so well and that I think is the key is just really knowing them so that you'll know how to correct and you'll know how to love them and you know how to meet their needs and you have to be there to do that and um, there's a book called mommy where are you that we got the quote the very first quote from if you have doubts about that you're not sure what you want to do just read that book it'll encourage you I think and then some of you will have to work anyway, and God will use your circumstances to do whatever he wants to do. I don't want you to go away thinking that I would think you're a failure if you don't stay home. Because like I said, I'm not home right now. But I wish that I were home. And I think it would be better for my family if I was. So the question, can you have it all? Well, yes, but you can't have it all right now. So think about that um, as you make that decision. And also, I wish, this is a great thing that someone told us before we got married, or before we had kids, is that when you get ready to buy a house, make sure that you are using just one income. Don't plan a house based on two incomes. Does that make sense? That way you won't, you know, you won't be forced to work. All right, second parenting tip, and these others, I'm going to have to go faster, is be a parent, not a friend. Have you noticed in our society today, everybody wants to be their kid's buddy? 
I mean, it's tempting. I do. I want my kids to like me too, but it's not your primary goal, you know. Um, sometimes you have to make the hard calls, and you have to discipline. So, I'm thinking in this group, it's probably fairly accepted and fairly common to use spanking um, as a discipline, but it's not politically correct to do so in our world, is it? Let's face it. You know, you're afraid you're going to get sued by somebody, or they're going to take you to court. Well. I'm sorry my mouth is so dry because I had surgery last week and some of the things that I'm taking I think are making me dry. Um, so let's talk about spanking because that's a difficult subject because you probably grew up being told that if you spank your child they'll get violent. But it, that's not how it works in reality because kids who have boundaries are less likely to hit because they've seen you exercise self-control. That's assuming that you have. If you, when your child is rebellious toward you, if you, oh, thank you. I had it. I had it, but that's good. Thank you. Um, if you have self-control and you quickly discipline them, you know, just a quick little swat, then that just ends it. Have you ever had the, the time where you just let it go on for a while and then you just get downright hostile with your kids or yelling or something? To me, it's just, if I, if I correct my kids, I don't spank my kids anymore, they're too old, but when they were your kids' age, if I just did it correctly, then it's the most loving thing to do. And a little bit of pain will register to them, I don't like that feeling. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that again. And then you're done. So, but it goes way past that because what is foolishness or what is a fool? Well, the Bible says that in Psalm 14:1, the fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." Can someone look up for me Proverbs 22:15? I meant to do that and I forgot to have it read. Do y'all have Bibles with you? Somebody read Proverbs 22:15. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. I have it written down. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Now, we know that every child is lost or in the beginning, that they've all sinned, and that they will, and that they say in their heart of hearts, they'll say, there's no God, I'm the center of the universe. You don't believe me? The last time you went to Tom Thumb, was there somebody, was there a child in there screaming or begging for what they wanted or pitching a fit? Almost everywhere you go, you'll see it. We don't train our kids to do that. Nobody says, let's, okay, today we're going to learn how to have a temper tantrum. Okay, here's how you do it. No, they just naturally do it because toddlers believe that the world revolves around them. And so they, in their own mind, are thinking that they're in charge or they are their own little God. So this is what they believe about themselves. Our job ultimately is to love them the way that the Heavenly Father loves them and to lead them to Him. Now, one thing I do want to say about this is feel free to call my kids and ask them, how'd that work for y'all? They will tell you in a second, yes, you need to make your kids so they'll quit being little brats. And sometimes we're out in public and my kids will say, if they would just make that child and they would stop it. I, go, I know, but in our world today, they're telling moms and dads they shouldn't swat. And so that mother doesn't know that she has the privilege of, of taking care of that like that. So anyway, we discipline to gain control over their selfish, destructive behavior. And we set limits. And if we don't do that, it's a disaster. So they don't have to guess from minute to minute if you mean business when they disobey. You're consistent and loving. And you never hurt your child. I would never tell you to hurt your child. It's just a little swat that says, I'm in charge and you're not in charge. And I'm going to help you to get in the right place here. Proverbs 13.24 says, He who spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. I know you've probably heard that hundreds of times, but have you really thought about that? Because I know everyone in here, if I asked you, do you love your children? You would say yes. And yet we're hesitant to spank. And that's really just because we've let the world take control over that. And it's not going very well. As If you look around, and there are a lot of out-of-control kids. Uh, don't let your emotions get the best of you here. I used to get to a place with each one of my kids where it was about time to spank, but I didn't want to do it. And my husband was usually the one who would say, Charlotte, it's time. It's time. You know, we got to start doing that. And it's, it's not easy the first time you spank your child, but you have to remember that we're setting boundaries because we love them. 
my third tip is to turn off the TV or radio or computer or iPod or whatever, Game Boy, whatever little contraption they have, at least some of the time, if not most of the time. And why? Because you cannot get their undivided attention if you don't do that. And see, what you have to share with them as a mom while you're staying at home with them is critical for their life and future in their walk with God. So I, I like to say that you can't give them your undivided attention, and they absolutely won't give you theirs. And if you, right now, if you walked into my house, I could almost guarantee you that my, some of my kids are on the computer. This is what they like to do when they have free time. It's more and more that way with this generation of kids. So just be aware of that and watch it because you want to be the one that influences them. And the, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I don't want to get way into the computer thing because you guys know what the hazards are. But I'm almost more afraid of the television because these ads run and they just, they're just brainwashing your kids in all the wrong ways about materialism and, and sexual impurity and everything else. I mean, it's just, if you have TiVo, that's a great option because you can get rid of those, delete those commercials. Um, another reason to turn off the TV is to protect their mind. Philippians 4.8, you've heard it a thousand times, but I just want you to think of it in terms of media right now. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Now think about it. If you just let the TV run in your house, it's absolutely going to show things that are not true, not honorable, not lovely, not pure. And uh, you'll be just you'll just be fighting that battle. So we want to really keep our children in their minds pure. A couple of websites that you can check for movie things. You probably know about this, but just in case you've never heard this, before you rent a movie for your kids, make them. My kids are old enough now. I make them go online and print off the thing for me from Unplugged. Focus on the Family website gives you something, and then the Dove website does too. Now sometimes I don't even agree with them because we're really conservative, and I would rather err on the side of too conservative than too free because you cannot take it back. And once you open up that can of worms and you let your kids watch whatever, you'll, you'll have a hard time getting them back. And I want to teach my kids that, so that when they get to this stage, and I'm, we're still fighting this battle. I, I'm, we're not having total success here. But I want my kids to get to the place where they say, I don't think I want to see that one. That doesn't look appropriate for me. And I was so thrilled the other day that one of my daughters, um, they printed off some things that they wanted me to look at. And I said, That's, I wouldn't watch that myself, so I really can't recommend that for you. And one, of, and one of my daughters protested. And the other one said to her, Look, I don't even want to see that. You need to stop. You don't want to go that direction. She was encouraging her not to watch the movie. And I was so excited that it's not mom always being the bad guy. You know, they're helping each other to be pure. Um, the last reason for trying to turn off the, all the different TV, radio, and all that is that it's a time thief. And time is short. You think it's forever now when you have a 16-hour day before your husband's going to be home. What are we going to do today? I haven't forgotten that. I know. I know what it's like to wake up at 6 in the morning and he leaves. Bye, honey. And he's not coming back till you know, 6 or 8 that night. And, and it's, it's a challenge, but you really only have a short time once they hit school. And speaking of school, kids who read are smarter anyway. So there's another reason. Better to read than to sit in front of the television. Okay. Another another tip. I'm going to try to go quickly. Are y'all getting too bored? Is that enough? Or do I need... I have three more. I think I have three more. I don't want to bore you guys. Um, tip number four, surround yourself with other moms. This is much more pleasant than the stay at home and turn off the TV tips. Because everybody wants to do this. And you really need to. If you don't know someone that you can call up and say, hey, I'm in a bad place today. Can, you, can we just go somewhere with these crazy kids? You really need to do that. Because there are times when, let's face it, it's just downright boring. I mean, how fun can it be to be with a two-year-old all day by yourself? So it's good sometimes, but other days, you're just not into it. And I know that. I mean, I went through, I'd have a week where I was thinking, I just burned out. Well, listen, save it for your girlfriends, because if you, if you think about your husband, he's been out doing whatever he does. He comes home, and you're griping about how dull it is or how bad the kids were. I mean, he's not going to want to come home to that. So call your girlfriends, whine a little bit to them, and, you know, pray. And Millie's probably going to go memorize scripture when that happens, because, you know, She's a dream mom. But let's face it, there are going to be days when you don't feel like
like it. You may not feel like having, uh, you, you know, even having a quiet time, much less memorizing scripture. But So go to your girlfriends and get help from them. One, because they can give you objective counsel. When you guys get together and, you're, and one of the kids is misbehaving, and by the way, I remember distinctly when Stephanie uh, Polk said to me, Charlotte, why are you so shocked? Your child is a little sinner. You know, they're like 18 months old. I was so embarrassed for my child's behavior. And she goes, why are you so shocked? Just, you know, they don't know God. And I was happy that she reminded me of that. So don't be embarrassed around the other gals when your kid's acting like a monster because that's just going to happen. They're rascals, okay? And that's why we're there. So that's just a reminder when they sin. Well, that's what sinners do. They sin. And um, so, But it's an opportunity when you're with other moms to say, did you think that I handled that well? or what would you have done? Was that a good time to spank? Or should I have just pulled them aside for a little while? Should I have just taken the toy or should I have spanked? Or whatever, you know what all the issues are. So having someone else there to say, was that a good call, is always important. And then for the second reason, just to have fun, because you're going to get lonely at times. Tip number five, make time for, with God a priority, but not a guilt trip. I mean that. Because God is not grading you. See, I am so bent toward being the A-type. I'm so bent toward I have to do my check-off list every day. And parenting is breaking me in such a great way with that because I cannot always get it done. I mean, yesterday for me was like a cram session getting ready for you guys because I had shoulder surgery last Thursday. And I was just off of the pain medication a few days ago. And I was in this fog, you know, for days. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like 1 o'clock yesterday. And I'm thinking, okay, i got to figure out exactly how I want to tweak this. And, you know, that's your life right now where you are probably almost every day with the age of children that you're working with because you never know from day to day what's going to happen. And, in fact, just the night before last, my husband and I were going to dash out and make a quick errand. I was starting to feel pretty good. We leave. We get a call about five minutes down the road. My husband goes, oh, well, just clean up what you can and we'll be home in a little while. We went out for dessert. I said, what was that call? Well, it seems that uh, Georgia... My youngest, she's 10 though, I mean she's not like a little kid, forgot to turn off the bath water. So it overflowed. Well, she was downstairs when it started leaking through the ceiling. So can I tell you, I'm not just talking about a wet bathroom floor. Our whole house is, we've got fans, have y'all ever had that happen? Fans everywhere. just be, And that's, that's the life of a mom. And yesterday when the men came over, and I thought, I really don't care what's happening in my house right now because it is time to study. I'm in final exams today. And I, I talked to one of my friends later, and I thought, these guys must think I am loopy as all get up because I'm just like, whatever, just you know, fix it if you can. I don't care right now about that. You just go do your thing. You know. And I'm seriously, I just took it completely out of my mind. I just said, I'm not going to worry about that. They're pulling my whole house apart, cut, literally cutting out drywall and pulling up carpet and everything. And I'm just acting like it's not happening. But we, you know, as moms, we have to be able to, we got to keep the plate spinning, right? And so I know what your lives are like. So you may have a hard time getting that quiet time that you need with God. And I'm so glad that someone told me when my kids were at the age of yours that there'll be times when your Bible study is going to be shortened or you may not have it at all. You may go for a week and think, I can't remember the last time I really spent time with God. So there are ways that you can, can, can help yourself by just make, you know, try to make it a priority. But if you're one of those A-types like I am, stop giving yourself a check-off list to try to impress God. He knows who you are. He knows what you're doing. He's not impressed with any of it. And really, I mean that. I want you to give yourself grace. But if you're one of those other types, the B-types, that I call them the B-types, laid back, artsy, you know, whatever happens is fine with me, you may have to give yourself a kick in the pants because, you know, you need to be in that relationship with God. And don't let it go forever before you're with Him again. Some of the things that have helped me is that I pray a lot in the car with the kids. That's good for them, too. And it's good for me. I like the devotional books for moms. One of my favorites is not specifically for moms, but it's called Daily, Daily Light Journal Morning Readings by Anne Graham Lotz. Anything that she does is great because she's so true to Scripture. And then another thing that I do on a regular basis is I have three-by-five cards. I write down Scripture verses in my quiet time. And I may just have one thing for the whole, you know, I might in 30 minutes have one little verse or something. And then I collect those, and at the end of the year, well, the end of the school year for me is May, right before summer lets out, I pull from that little stack of cards my top 11, because we have 11 weeks off for school, and my kids and I memorize them in the summer. So we do a verse a week, and then every Friday they have to present to their dad. Now, I'll tell you that we didn't do it last summer because they just basically didn't want to do it. 
and I didn't force them to and we're not doing it right now but what I'll probably do is set up a sort of a reward system for those who want to do it the reason I'm telling you that and I think it's very important for you to hear me is that there's a window of opportunity with your kids where that's fun to them and they're motivated and they will go for it and then there comes a time where they're thinking you know I got another plan and you're really you just need to use the time that you have wisely because like I said they're not as motivated in that way um, I think I mentioned to you that we did posters and stuff like that. It just kind of brightens your house. We go get those packs of paper that you can get at Office Max, and we did, we drew all the, the scripture verses out on those posters. They're all over our house. By the end of the summer, there will be 11 posters. We just post them all over the place. And when people come in, you know, a contractor or somebody comes to your house, and they, they can see that too. It's an opportunity to just be wide open with your witness for Christ. And then I also have a whiteboard. I remember when I came home with that, my husband could hardly believe it. Because I really like my house to be tidy and orderly, and there's just, just this ugly office board that I brought home and it's well it's wider than that it's 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 bigger than I am and I just asked my husband do you mind if you just mount that behind the kitchen table and he looked at me like you got to be kidding me and I said no I, w- I really want to use that and so we started putting the scripture up and there's a, a book over here in the resource thing that's called parenting with scripture I'd love for you guys to all get a copy of that and what we did with it is it, it has a character quality and a definition it's real simple to use it has verses that go along with that character quality so I would just write up a verse and, and the character quality and then when one of my kids did it you know you don't want to overly praise them for what God's doing in their lives but it's also encouraging for them to see that they're meeting God's standards so if somebody was loving to their brother or sister then I'd put them up there and say I love the way that Hank um, put put Georgia first today or something and kind of praise them with that when they're starting to put those character qualities into action so we use that quite a bit and now it's much better because my kids are artistic and they do the whiteboard so I don't have to even do that anymore because sometimes it becomes a little bit of a burden for me I'm not that artistic so pass along some of these things with to your kids as they get older and then my last tip and one of the most important things that I want to say is memorize scripture with your kids I cannot tell you how important that is because this is the this is the core of who you are as a believer is the more of God's word that you have in your heart the more you think of him and his principles and how he wants you to live and it's just so much easier to live life in God's way and the way that your kids will learn to do that is by knowing his word if he does, if they don't know what God's word says then they can't very well follow it and that's your textbook it's your textbook for parenting so we um, we do a lot of things like family nights. There's another resource over here that you might be interested in. Um, I've forgotten who the who the guys that does that but it's over there family nights they're so easy they're just little fun things that you can do and they're real active if you haven't seen them um, I want you to have a look at that and then um, as my kids got older that became a little bit of a burden for me too so I passed that off to my oldest daughter she was into it she said mom hey when are we going to have a family night and I'm thinking that's a lot of preparation I mean it might just be an hour but it's hard to find an hour to even collect the things you got to have so I said if you'll read the devotional and you'll get the lit the family night uh, guide and get the list together of what you need I'll take care of that for you and then I want you to present it to the family and she got to where she could do that and it was great and I didn't even mean to but I was training her to be a leader and and that's even better because that just takes something else off of your to-do list so that was kind of fun to see that happen remember that moms are the keepers of the schedule when it comes to family you are the gatekeeper and by the way as your kids get older remember when they ask you and especially with teenagers or older kids they'll say can I go with so-and-so to the movie tonight you need to remember that you can always say let me talk to your dad first and then we'll make a decision if they have to know right that minute what your answer is I tell my kids if you got to know right now the answer is no if you can wait until I talk to your dad then maybe we can work it out that just gives you time to think about the decisions you're making to really pray God do you want my child to do this so always use your husband as an excuse to delay the instant gratification that your kids want from you make dad a part of that and also I think I really failed unknowingly in the area of control again is that I was so passionate about how to parent and reading the resources and I had the time to do that when I was home that I often sort of made those decisions and then of course my husband came on board because it was my passion and I look back on that now and I realize as my kids have gotten into the teen years that I was in over my head and that I had in some ways without realizing it usurped some of his authority and and we were 
not so much a team as it was like I was in charge of making these decisions and that was just a huge mistake. So as you grow as a mom and as a parent, make sure that you're including your husband and that you're on board and that you're on the same page and that you guys don't contradict each other, especially not in front of your kids. That's huge. Don't let the culture or well-meaning friends and family dictate what is best for your family. That's including me. Don't let me tell you today what you've got to do for your family. Go before the Lord. Go with your husband and figure out, is this how we want to do this? She said this. Well, what do you think? Uh, Don't be afraid to say no to your kids. That's good for them. Um, One thing that I've realized in the last couple of years is that if you're constantly stressed, that's a red flag that something is not going well. Something's not right. And so for me, I've learned a lot about how if I am anxious about things, I'm not, I'm not doing the right thing. And we have to regroup as a family when that happens. If we get too busy, the usual thing for me is I get stressed. If you can only do one thing well in any given day with your kids outside of your basic feeding, bathing, nighttime routine, and all of that, do this one thing. Memorize scripture. It'll be their forever foundation. Long after you're gone, it will still be with them. God's Word is alive. It's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And if, if for no other reason, do it for your grandchildren. Because whatever you get into your kids is going to be passed to your grandchildren. Think of that. How amazing. And then finally, I guess, all of these things are pointless if you don't know God. And some of you may be guests here today. Maybe you are going, wow, this is way out there. I never heard of such a thing. The reason why I'm passionate about parenting is because I'm passionate about my God and who He is. And I just want my kids to have what I have. And so if that's new to you or you don't know exactly what that looks like, I would love to talk to you, Millie, or any of your other leaders, just about what it means to have a personal walk with God and how to live that out. So I think that's all. Thank you.